Was God really telling the Israelites to go and kill every man, woman, and child and cattle? That sounds fairly terrible. Yeah. What kind of God is that? Welcome to the Soma Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Paul. Now that we've deconstructed our evangelical beliefs, we're trying to find a way forward to hold on to Christian faith and community in a post-Christian culture. Um, see, I brought my Bible today. This is the Student Bible, which yeah. is one that's often recommended for um, people who are just starting out. Do you actually read the physical Bible anymore, or do you just do the uh, the, the the app? You know, I I struggled with reading the Bible for a long time, so I hadn't read it at all. Um, except when we had we would have our Soma meetings, and then I would just read it on my phone. Okay. Um, but when we started doing this podcast, like the other day, I pulled out my my hard copy Bible. <laughs> the real authentic one? <laughs> yeah. It, okay. Is it NIV or is it King James? It's New King James. <laughs> New King James. That is when they just kind of smoothed everything out a little bit, right? Yeah. It's essentially the King James, but it's in, you know, they take the these and the thous and the wouldists out. They make it more plain uh, modern day language. But oh, yeah. It still has that poet poetry to it though i i do like that translation because yeah. there's a there's a nice tone and feel to it when you read it yeah i'm definitely in the niv camp just because the first bible i ever bought i remember going to um like a christian uh, bible store in vancouver I, my mission was to buy a bible and uh, i you know like everything i do i have to i have to research and overthink so i'm like <laughs> looking at all the bibles and i'm like okay which one am i gonna get you know and in the end i got the niv so i've kind of stuck with that even though I have tried other ones, but I've never really been a huge uh, King James proponent. Uh, no, I, I used to read the like 1611 King James or whatever. That's how I started. Yeah, the official one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, we should probably point out that we don't read Greek or Latin uh, or, or Aramaic or any of those. Or Hebrew. Yeah, we're, yeah. So we're a little light on those things. We just basically uh, read it in the English. I knew a guy who who could read ancient Greek and he would do his Bible reading, like even his morning devotionals in read it in Greek. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty hardcore. Um, I think you have to really study languages. And I, I, for a brief second, I was enrolled briefly in, in a master's um, Christian studies for a brief period. I took some theology courses and I thought, should I take a Latin course or, you know, I'm like, no. Oh no, you're bringing up, you're bringing up a painful memory for me in my first year of university because I was really into the Bible and wanting to study it. I, I took intro to classical Greek. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah. And like I had A's and, and a couple of B's in all my classes. And then for, for Greek, I failed. Yeah. Yeah. It totally brought my GPA down. Like it was so complicated, Mark. Like I remember conjugating a verb and there were over a hundred forms of the verb. And right. I was like, what did I do? Like, what did I get myself into? And for the final exam, it was a take home exam. That's how hard Greek is. They're like the profession, just take it home, get all the help you can get. Get, get it out of your system. <laughs> and, and so I had no idea. So I took, I, I, I had a friend who is Greek and I didn't realize that modern day Greek isn't really like ancient no, Greek. It's a different It's thing, completely yeah. different. So I was in his family's restaurant uh, and they were feeding me. Like it was amazing. It was an incredible night. But they, I gave them my take home Greek assignment for the final grade. And there was like aunts and uncles and grandparents. They're all trying to translate this passage for me. <laughs> and they're just feeding me. And in the end, I just handed in what they came up with. <laughs> Did you pass? No, I failed. Like <laughs> oh, even, you fail that I, yeah, even the Greek, even the Greek speaking, modern day Greek speaking family had no idea what this thing was saying. 
I mean, you can use something like Strong's Concordance, and I'll look up words if I'm trying to figure out what does this word really mean. I'll just go to Strong's Concordance. You can do it online for free, and you can find out, yes, this verse or this word means, you know, whatever. Um, and that gives you some insight. Yeah, so I think people can maybe guess today that maybe we're going to be talking about the Bible to a degree. I've thought about the last few episodes and I realized that, you know, we do reference the Bible quite a bit. We've both told, have told stories from the Bible. We have both referenced verses. And so, and I think we've even said that we have a, maybe a high view or a value of the Bible, but I know I've certainly come to look at it a lot differently than I used to. And um, there were many years where I didn't read the Bible. Um, and I don't, I, I had, I really struggled whether or not it was worth holding on to right. and worth, and, and worth um, reading ever again. And, um, and it was just recently, it was weird. Cause it was, it was while I was watching a couple of sci-fi shows, one was, it's on Netflix. It's called away. Have you seen that one? Yet? No, I haven't seen it. It's uh it's about the first sort of human mission to Mars. Oh, I like Mars mission. Yeah, it's really it's you know what the I shouldn't give it away, but at, at some point they get they get to Mars, and that landing like I I actually kind of teared up because I thought like maybe in our lifetime we will we will be seeing something like that happen. It was super powerful. But anyway, um, there's a character on the mission uh, on the on the ship who is who's Jewish and he he has he's actively a believer, and he at times when there's like when they're in danger and they're like, they may not, they may not survive. There's a problem or there's a glitch. He'll end up praying and like, there'll be a scene where he prays. And at some point that even the other characters ask him to pray and they don't, they don't even believe in God. Right. And wow. there was another scene where uh, the daughter of, of one of the astronauts was really struggling with whether her mother would even make it back. And so a friend takes her to a Catholic mass and she finds comfort there and I thought it was so different and strange because it was like a future, you know, science advancement going to Mars. And yet the, the producers of the show had a really favorable view of religion in it. Hmm. And um, I, I found myself even watching that show going, yeah, like I, I want to believe, like I want to, I want to hold on to faith in the future. Even if our future is advanced, I, I, I don't, I think it's a mistake if we, if we reject religion, if we reject God, if we re reject faith, I don't, I don't think we will. I I, th I yeah. think that human beings are wired up to um, need that kind of transcendent connection, mm -hmm. and um, there is something uh, mysterious and I think powerful about the Bible. It's the way it survived in history. It's been a book that has often been banned and mm -hmm. and um, you know talked down and said we'll never have. Um, you know, it'll disappear from history, but it, it hasn't. It keeps it's still the most published book, I think, in the mm -hmm. world. And all kinds of people read it and get impact and and it's had a huge impact on our on on the world and our culture. And so uh, it's had a huge impact on me. Like since I've started to read it and I only think understand a small part of it and, and there's lots that I don't understand or don't read on a regular basis. But mm -hmm. uh, the parts that ha have impacted me have been at times transformative. And so I, I've had my periods like you where I've kind of put it down and you pick mm -hmm. it up and it just doesn't speak to you. Mm -hmm. um, 
and other times when uh, something just hits you and it brings it to life. And like I would say one of my sort of semi-regular practices is to ask God to show me something. Mm-hmm. Show me something I don't understand. Show me a passage that I need to understand or, you know, and I'll just give it some time. You, you have to be looking. You have to be kind of open. And then something will usually just come and, and something fresh will come. Yeah, I I've often have talked about my, I guess, my faith de- deconstruction as a, as a detox, you know. And I think when it came to the Bible, there was sort of this one-two punch. Like the first punch was just questioning, um, you know, things I always thought were true. And then I I, I would read the Bible and, and see that maybe if you read it a different way, it, it wasn't true the way right. I thought. Like like in the hell episode. Like we brought the hell, up, yeah. yeah. Different lens or different approach. So that started to make me question, like, can we even know the truth or the Bible? Or is like, you know, can you just make it sort of say what you want it to say? Is it, is it reliable? And then the second punch just came from culture for me. Like just, and there was a season there where I listened a lot to the sort of the new atheists and, and, and a lot of their push was like religion is, there's, is seen as antiquated and like we should, we shouldn't hold on to it moving forward, you know, and, and, um, and looking at the Bible as sort of this archaic, uh, thing. And I think that had an, influ- an influence on me too. And so it did cause those two things did really cause me to go some years uh, without reading it and without really knowing what to do with it. And that detox thing, I think what, why I bring that up is, is I think that might be a pattern even, you know, for the spiritual journey that we've, we've brought up before, but there was this story where, um, the, the Pharisees, the the people who are students of the Bible, real experts, they mm. they criticized Jesus and his disciples because they didn't fast. Right, right. Yeah, right. And and then he says to them, well, um, you know, uh, this is the story. I think you've referenced this before. This is where he brings up, well, uh, you can't pour new wine into an old wine right, skin. Right, right. And it's, it's such an odd answer to that question. And when I thought about it a little bit more, I realized that, that, that fasting was a uh, was a religious sort of activity that was linked to this old wine or an old sort of revelation or an old way of doing things. It's a mindset, right? It's a mindset. And I, th- I think the mindset that you have when you read scripture is a big um, filter that that we all have, right? Yeah. Um, I think I was I was thinking about today. I think there's three major filters that we all bring to the text and you can see if you find what you're saying in one of these. I think there's worldview. There's different kinds of worldviews, like scientific worldview, postmodern worldview. Mm-hmm. There's experience or general experiences that we that we have had, mm-hmm. um, including our cultural experience, um, you know, life life experiences that we've had. And then there's also, I think, our maturity. Like, uh, you know, I'm definitely a different person than I was in my 20s when I first read the scripture. And I see, uh, you know, I've become a father. I've had both of my children become adult children. And that has had a huge impact. And as a a high school teacher, all of those um, experiences have created more maturity in me. And that allows me to see things in scripture that I wouldn't have seen initially. Mm Well, that's really interesting. So that that worldview or that the way you see it, I think that does relate to my detox because my detox idea, because even with the story with the fasting, it was like, I think Jesus was saying that that you couldn't pour the new thing he was bringing into the old 
sort of way of seeing fasting. Like, right. They, so, so when they criticized that his disciples weren't fasting, it was like he was, he was saying, well, there's a season, there's a period of time where you have to stop doing that thing because you're just going to go right back into that rut or pick up that lens again or pick up that worldview again. Right. There needs to be this season where you kind of lose it all. It all unravels. It all goes away. Because then he says, uh, he says, he says they will fast. There's going to come a day where they're going to fast again, but it's going to be, it's going to be different and it's going to look different. Right. So I felt like there was a period of time where I had to stop reading the Bible because I was approaching it a certain way and I couldn't do anything otherwise. So I had to sort of stay away from it so that I could come back again, maybe in a, in a fresh way and start over. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really excellent point. Um, you know, um, that uh, that speaks to worldview, and your worldview is it's it's something they will teach you if you go to Bible school. Is different people have different uh, sense of how reality works, right? And if you've kind of grown up going to church and reading the Bible, you've been taught a kind of implicit worldview, mm-hmm. um, and you've been taught a lot of what these certain uh, scriptures mean and how they mean it and how it stacks up and so forth. And, and so it becomes difficult then to sometimes to see something new or fresh or you read it and you go, yeah, I know what that means. And right. it, so it doesn't speak to you. Right. And, and I do think one of the purposes of scripture is to speak to you and it is, you know, um, to get into your mindset and in your heart and reveal, you know, something fresh about who God is and about who you are. Mm-hmm. But that worldview can often be, um, you know, a blindness. I remember one time um, I was, when I first started discovering this, I remember talking with this one uh, person at a, at a house party one time and we were talking about the Bible and, and he was like, well, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's all made up and it's all, you know, it's, it's all been disproven by science and, and so forth. So that person has a scientific worldview, right? right? So they just see everything that I'm telling them through their scientific worldview. And so about, about in the middle of this conversation, I just, I just looked at him and I said, can you tell me what the basic rules of physics are? And he just he just got this look on his face. He didn't know where to go because he didn't know any of the basic rules of physics. And to be honest, I probably didn't know most of them either. But I knew enough to know, okay, he's coming from this scientific worldview that he's assuming is right. Right. Even though he, he knows very little of the content of it, right? It yeah. was blinding him to a meaningful conversation. Um, and so that's, that's how worldview functions. It limits some things that you can see and it stops you from uh, seeing other things. So I would say my worldview before when it came to the Bible, that wine skin or that wine container that I had that was rigid, that could never take a new, new, any new wine, like nothing new. It was just always has to be the same old way. That worldview would be something like, um, like every verse, every every statement in the Bible is was directly from God, right? Like the there was it was God in origin. It God was, breathed. God breathed. It was a human origin, and it, it's almost like um, the people who wrote this down couldn't uh, weren't even in a sense of in, even in a sense involved, right? Like it was sort of this direct dictation. It, it has no errors in it. It is completely infallible. Um, and every verse is like full, full on revelation, hundred percent true and applicable to any situation, no matter where you are, what century you live in kind of thing. Right. right? Um, and the, I used to say things like, uh, you know, it was written over 1500 years, 40 different authors from all kinds of walk, walks of life. And yet, yet a unified 
you know, vision of, of God in a, in a, like one theme without contradiction and that type of thing. And after a while, after years of doing this, I, I found it tiring to try to keep the intellectual and mental gymnastics that it takes to keep that together. It's kind of like, har- it's called harmonizing the books of the Bible. Right, right. right. I mean, they weren't written, people who, people who wrote the books of the Bible weren't necessarily thinking that they were writing the Bible and they didn't know that they were- Well, they others. didn't know each other. Yeah. And a lot of them were spread out over, over history. History. So we're looking back and we're harmonizing it. And it's hard to harmonize uh, God-ordained genocide, like in the book of Joshua, right? Where right. the Canaanite story uh, and things like that. Um, so I, that's what started to crack and kind of crumble. I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't. So my wineskin started to come apart or my worldview started to sort of fall apart at that point. I think it's a common one to read the Old Testament and you it's so different than our experience mm-hmm. and we and we have such a hard time um reconciling it to uh, who we are, you know, and so it's common you read, okay, well, is God really telling the Israelites to go and kill every man, woman, and child, and cattle? That sounds fairly terrible. Yeah. What kind of God is that, right? Right, exactly. Um, and so there is some advantage to having some education and how the Bible functions and how mm-hmm. literature functions because mm-hmm. an initial read, it's it's fairly difficult to reconcile some of those things right. uh, or even know how to think about them. For sure. And I think what I've started to come to a little bit here is that maybe much of the Old Testament and maybe a lot of the Bible doesn't show us the full picture or the full character of God. I'm kind of thinking you have to go to Jesus for that, you know, uh, but not every verse shows the full character of God. In fact, I'm kind of, I kind of feel like the Bible is just as much a revelation of our humanity as it is a revelation of, of God. And you mentioned God breathed, right? That that's a, that's a phrase from, from the new Testament that the scripture is God breathed. Uh, it's in second Timothy three sixteen, Right. And I think the, um, the only other, the only other entity that was God breathed was was human beings, right? Like that. So it's an interesting reference to that idea where uh, the early account of, of the creation of mankind, where the story goes, God takes the clay of the earth or the, right, the dirt right, of the yeah. earth and forms this perfect being, but then it says he breathes his his breath into this thing, and and, and man becomes a living soul. And maybe that's that's a poetic ancient description of maybe when we became conscious, you know, conscious of ourselves or whatever. It's, it's, yeah, it's a symbol. It's a theological picture. Yeah. Uh, It depends on your worldview. If you, if you have a very traditional worldview, you're going to say it's an accurate picture of what happens and you need to, if you don't believe that, then you're essentially not really doing justice to the Bible, you know? But, But I love the picture because it's, it's clay, it's earth, it's human, but yet it has this spark of life that comes from God. Right. And that verse is saying the, the Bible or the scriptures is that way. So I think we can see the humanity in the, in the scriptures. We see that they have real cultures. They have real histories. They're real people who are angry, who are sad, who are happy, and they're struggling and they're grappling with their life and with their ideas of God. And somehow in the middle of that, there's still this spark of, div, of of inspiration, right, and of, of divinity and of truth, and 
and it's all mixed together. So I think it's a pretty powerful picture. Well, I would say it's even, there's a pattern in the stories. There's a pattern of truth that, that does grow throughout the Bible, but it doesn't sanitize the real culture. And I would also say maturity, like, that people through history have uh, become more aware of who they are, mm-hmm. more aware of each other, more aware of what is, uh, you know, brings a good life and brings devastation and, and damage to other people. So I think human beings have increased in awareness in, in, in history, yep. have increased in moral understanding. Um, so when you, you can't read the Bible and, and see it as, well, why didn't those people get rid of slavery? You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you're reading your present cultural value system and perspective back into the text. They were at a different point in history. Mm-hmm. They understood less than perhaps we understand in, in many ways. Um, but they were having an authentic experience with God and with um, what it means to be a human being. Yeah. And they were trying to um, trying to be, uh, you know, reflect, trying to hear God and reflect God back. Um, we read it back in history and we think, well, those people seem like, you know, times like savages or they do things that make no sense to us. Right. But we need to have that appreciation for just how different the culture is. Yeah, I I think that's true. I mean, it's so easy to judge the people who wrote the Bible as being savage and backward, but like we, like on the scale of the history of the earth and evolution of our species, like that was about three seconds ago, right? And I, I think we have a lot more in common with uh, people in the scriptures than, than we, we maybe are, um, we want to admit. I like this uh, idea of a partial and progressive sort of revelation. Like you mentioned that we keep getting more and more understanding. Right. And I think if, if we look at the Bible that way, like there is a progression that's happening. Right. I think there's a historical progression. Um, I would say that people are in always in all stages of um, awareness of God. So I don't think it's like now we're, everybody's more aware. Yeah. Um, I think even maturity is a part of the spiritual equation. You know, um, when you're younger, you tend to be more legalistic. And there's that idea of it's that's informed me as a teacher is the law comes before grace, which mm. is kind of a principle that you find between the Old and New Testament. And uh, so essentially, before someone can receive grace or forgiveness, there there has to be a change of heart, right. so, you know. And so the law is is the rule book. It's it's you know I mean it has a historical precedence in the Old Testament, but also as a general principle, mm-hmm. if somebody is arrogant or somebody is not looking for grace or forgiveness or looking to change, um, is looking to see what they get away with, say in the classroom, I'm not I'm not going to just you know. You forget all forgiving and it's all good. I, I, there has to be structure. There has to be a law. There has to be, uh, you know, a way of relating to that individual. And I see that in scripture as, as one of the overarching uh, themes mm-hmm. that people in maturity can move from law to grace. And when you recognize that you're not perfect and you recognize that there's things that you want to change, but you're struggling to change them, then you've become ready for grace. That's interesting. I, I do remember myself, my younger self, I've said this before, uh, my younger self would be pretty disappointed in, in my old, older self now. <laughs> I'd be, my younger self would judge me pretty harshly these days. 
I do think there's a tendency at times for younger uh, individuals to be more black and white, yeah. you know, more legalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it's not just younger. It's and there's individuals, you know, mm-hmm. we encounter individuals who I I, I call them like contr- have a control mindset, or you know, they um, they see the world as uh, in a black and white way, you know. Um, and as a teacher, I've had to move into a more, I would say, a more grace or more flexible mindset because I deal with people in all stages of learning and all positions of maturity. And if I just have one rule for everybody, it's very inflexible and it doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. on the street, we have a rule. If you go over a certain speed, you're going to get a ticket. People don't work that way in the classroom. They, they need often to, to grow. They need more flexibility. And that takes a grace mindset, which um, and that makes uh, I'm probably getting off in the weeds here. But I think that's a way of reading the Bible, because you can read the Bible with a black and white law based mindset mm-hmm. and you'll see into it things that um, will just bring a worse condition to yourself, right? You, you'll try to be, if you're a perfectionist, you'll try to live up to all the expectations that you read and you'll find it's impossible. Um, if you're judgmental, you'll find things to judge other people on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're grace oriented and, uh, and have a more open mindset, you'll realize it's a work in progress and I'm a work in progress and I can also treat other people as a work in progress. So you'll find resources in there depending on what your mindset is. That's, that's really good, Mark. Like, so you're, it gets back to that uh, mindset thing. So if you're approaching this more legalistically, you're going to look for the rules and the laws to try to hold yourself to and others to. But if you're looking at it from grace, a work in progress, then that's exactly what you see. You see a bunch of people in these stories that are not there. They haven't arrived. Their work's in progress. Right. And, um, and there's something there for everybody. And there's something there that can speak to anybody in any situation. Right. Absolutely. That's cool. I, I mean, uh, you know, the righteous shall live by faith, the uh, famous uh, Martin Luther, um, the, the reformer who had, he was essentially beating himself up and punishing himself and, mm-hmm. and praying and, and seeking God. And then a, a little, you know, something flipped in his mindset and he realized he read the scripture in Romans says the righteous shall live by faith. Yeah. And, and I've, I've experienced that in my own life. It's, it is a little bit like a light switch. It's like, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to do everything right. Doesn't matter that I've made all these mistakes, call them sins, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I'm coming to God as I am. And I think you come to scripture in the same way. You know, you read scripture with um, a grace oriented, flexible, open mindset, you'll see one thing. But if you come with that legalistic, you know, black and white mindset, you'll have a very limited picture. So I, I was kind of thinking about this episode, I knew we were going to be talking about the Bible and I would, I was sort of thinking about like, what could I, what could help illustrate this point of sort of partial and progressive revelation, you know? And I started thinking about the, the matrix, the, the question in the movie from the very first scene all the way to the end is, is Neo, Neo in the main character, is Neo the one? And that is the question, the whole movie. Right. And what we mean by that is, is, is he the one to save the world, to save humanity and free people from the matrix? And there literally is a prophecy about this one. And it, can, it comes from this character called the Oracle. And, um, and you know that at some point, Neo has to go see the Oracle. This is a very important scene. And, and he's going there to find out, is he the one? 
So here we go. Neo goes to see the Oracle and he shows up there and she um, she's not what he expected. And um, she senses in him that he will he she asks him, like, do you believe you're the one? And he basically says, I don't think I am. And so she kind of confirms it. Well, if you're the one, you would know it. So, yep. And uh, and then she gives him the prophecy. So she she proceeds to tell him what she wants needs to tell him. And she tells him, Neo, there's going to be a time where Morpheus is going to be in trouble and you're going to have to make a choice to sacrifice yourself to save him. And uh, and so that's the word she gives him. And he he leaves the oracle and he sees he sees Morpheus and he wants to go and tell him right away like Morpheus the oracle told me and Morpheus stops him and this is this is the point of the story Mor- Morpheus says um, the oracle told you exactly what you needed to hear that's all right and he didn't he didn't let Neo tell him he said you keep this to yourself he's trying to change his mindset yeah yeah um, and um, and so what did he do? There came a point where he sacrificed himself for Morpheus to save him. And in the process, Neo discovers he's the one, right? And I thought about this and, I, and I'm like, the Oracle only tells you what you need to hear. That's all. Not a word more, not a word less. Neo wasn't able to bear to hear that he was the one. He just wouldn't believe it. He, it would have been a waste of time. But what he could hear was that he would have to sacrifice himself for somebody. And in the course of doing that, he actually discovers he's the one. And the reason I tell this is because I see this in the Bible. I see like just endless numbers of oracles who are giving prophecies or they're telling people what they believe they should hear. That's all what they need to hear. That's all Mark. And I think when we read the Bible, we want to like have those verses. We want to have those stories say everything. And like, you know, that you brought it up, you brought up that issue of, of slavery. Like there's people that have, have completely given up their faith in Christianity because the new Testament doesn't specifically condone slavery. Right. Because it was not the historical reality of the time. Absolutely. It was a part of their economic system. Right. I think if Paul or anyone else would have said, you know, abolish slavery, they just wouldn't be able to bear to hear it. So what does he do? Like you've had verses where he's commending a, a slave owner yeah, and a slave filament to like love each other. And he's commending their love for one another. Like, okay, maybe he didn't condemn slavery, but I'm telling you, if a master is loving their slave and the slave is loving their master back, that will undermine, like that will completely dismantle. Well, he, he essentially said, receive him back as, you know, one of us essentially put, yeah. puts him on the same level, but yeah. he was originally a slave. Right. So there's that implicit trajectory within the, within the text. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a simple, like I think a lot of people, when they, they first try to read the Bible, they want God to give, yeah, exactly that. Just make yeah. everything the really, really clear. Thing. Like, the, yeah. you know, I've heard people rec- uh, talk about it. It's like the manual, like, you know, how to fix your car. The Bible doesn't work, to my opinion, in my opinion, like a manual, how to fix your car. There may be sections that work in, more along those lines, but it's it's confusing. It's hard to read. It's layered. Um, there's many kinds of of 
text, everything from poetry to history. There's forms of text that we don't even, you know, have anymore. Like when you start talking about the um, the prophecies and so forth, they're right. just they're just very different than anything we have, and they have a completely different cultural context. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think one principle. Um, and when we when we try to teach somebody something, mm-hmm. we'll often start with something that's rudimentary. So I've I've said in the classroom, I I'll, I teach Photoshop. I'll start off by teaching something that, um, you know, here's how you cut out an image, put it on a background, change some colors or whatever. Right. And then the next year they come back and I say, don't do anything I said the other year because <laughs> I would never do it that way. But I have to start somewhere. And so the next year I'll teach them a different way and I'll teach them a more complicated way that has more flexibility and more, um, you know, more capability, but it also demands more of them. Right. And I, I do feel God is like that too. Is a lot of times people read the Bible looking for God's direction in their life. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the time God will only give you one little tiny piece of direction. Mm-hmm. And that's not your whole life. It's just, it might be work on your anger issues. It might be, you know, learn to um, be more peaceful towards other people or whatever. I'm being kind of general, but mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's, it's, it's not these big picture things. It's small things that you work on, but over time they add up and scripture is like that. It gives you the piece that you need mm-hmm. to move on right. in the current situation. Right. I, li- I like that idea, that analogy from your classroom. So like at one grade or one level of maturity, or this is, this is where they're at. This is, you can't give them more than that. And then, and then the next year um, they can bear more that gets back to the Oracle. The Oracle can only, will only tell you exactly what you can hear or are able to hear at this time. But hopefully that thing will bump you to the next thing. And I, and you see that trajectory in the Bible. Even Jesus said that he said, I still have so much to tell you. He told his disciples, but you cannot yet uh, bear it. You cannot yet bear to hear it. Right. And any references in a lot of the parable, he says, cause the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you talking to the disciples, but not to those essentially outside. Um, you know, and he talks about uh, the condition of the heart. So uh, in the ancient culture, the heart considered the center of the individual. And so their hearts are hardened and they're unable to hear it. So the hearing and the condition of the heart, which is speaks to human experience, speaks to your background, that those are all connected. If you're not ready to hear something, you won't be able to hear it and you won't be able to implement it. I think that's really helpful, like in reading the Bible, to know that things are being said in a context to people who are certain levels of maturity or whatever they might be, and they can only hear what they can hear. So again, we come with unrealistic expectations to think that that verse should tell the full story or should have the full knowledge of, of truth to it. I, I think that we should listen to the whole of Scripture. We just seek to understand it. But we also, it would be foolish to think that we don't bring our own blinders when we read it, that we don't miss things or misunderstand, mm-hmm. you know, that we're, we're also subject to worldview uh, blinders and experience blinders and uh, maturity blinders. And so we need to realize that Scripture essentially, it's not that we read Scripture. Sometimes Scripture is also, in a sense, reading us or, mm. or showing us something. Yeah. Um, 
and it's not like a book that we read to just get the you know the essential facts about how God works or reality works. It, it's a, it's a process that has a flow to it back and forth. Yeah. As we mature in faith and as we mature and grow in understanding, we're able to uh, appreciate more and take in more. It, it reminds me of the uh, the love chapter, First uh, Corinthians thirteen. I think even a lot of people that don't have biblical background have probably heard that chapter. It's probably the most beautiful description of love ever written. It's often um, quoted at weddings, right? And but at the wedding, you always they always stop short. Uh, I think with the phrase "love never fails" or something like that. But if you keep reading, all of a sudden uh, the writer talk starts to talk about prophecy, and I, I think the prophecy he talks about there it totally applies to the writers of scripture or the or the oracles of, of the bible and he the writer there goes to say that love will never fail but prophecy will fail which is so incredible because um, he goes on to describe that we know in part and we prophesy in part right that's interesting that, yeah so it's like it's not the full picture we're not seeing the whole thing and um, he also brings up the idea of maturity there he says uh, or he or she, whoever wrote, probably he back then. Uh, when I was a child, I thought and spoke like a child. But now that I'm uh, an adult, I should put away these childish things. And all of this is still in the context of prophecy or, 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 or the biblical sort of revelation. Um, and, and then he talks about seeing in a, in a mirror dimly. Right, like it's not a right. full picture. There's something clouding the the view or the or the image you're seeing. So, like, it's not the full picture. It's like part. Just- well, re- reading scripture is a process of seeing yourself. Yeah, is, is what's implied. Yeah, and um, and and so, and it warns us not to read and see, and then um, walk away and not do it, because then you'll actually become. Um, you'll be in a worse condition. Yeah. So there's a responsibility factor. When we read scripture and understand something, then we become responsible to implement that. Um, You know, and it even says in Romans that, you know, so one of the questions I had was, well, what about people who never hear, never understand? Well, how is that fair? Um, And it seems to imply that um, God holds us accountable for what we do understand. So when you Mm -hmm. understand something, no matter how small or fragmentary it comes from the Bible or the truth that God has has given us, Mm -hmm. then you become responsible for it. Mm -hmm. And and, and so truth is not like an equation or a set of facts. Mm -hmm. It's something that makes a claim on our on the way we live and who we are. Uh, something else Morpheus told Neo, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I think that's good too. Yeah, there's a, a lot of times as Christians, I think we, we know all the right answers, but we don't, we fail to implement it. And so we don't see the change, you know, yeah. and, and I've, I've heard it said, if you just implement the little bit that you understand, you would see a lot of change come to your life. So I think that's a good little point too, Mark, like not approaching it. So maybe academically or just like, no, trying to know everything on a, on that level. But like, what is this, what is this showing me about myself? What's this showing me about the path, the journey, the, the, the struggle, the question I have and, and just little bits and pieces and glimpses like in this cloudy mirror, um, and that it is a process, it is a journey, and it is progressive and partial, and, and to be patient and to, you know. But I, I would say one of the biggest things to get started on that is you have to have that shift. If you have a legalistic 
rule-based. That I think that's one of the biggest hurdles for many people. And I was thinking of a, a scripture, um, you know, that scripture of the little children come to Jesus. So the, the deci- there's some children that are trying to come to Jesus. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said, let, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So the disciples see the children as kind of a bother, you know, that are getting in the way of, of Jesus. And he uses them as, as a way to tell them tell them something. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard many um, sermons about that, that essentially say, you know, God wants us to be more childlike. God wants us, you know, to get rid of our cares and worries. And, and there may be some level of, of uh, truth to that, you know. Um, but I don't think that's at all what implied in the scripture. I think what Jesus is saying is, is using a cultural code of his day. You know, these children were not under the law. They were, they were essentially free of the law. So they were able to come to him without mm. the burden and the mindset of a, of a legalistic mindset. So Jesus wow. is saying, come to me like one who's not bound by the law. You come to me just, you know, without without your performance, without your trying to be good or do it right. In our culture, though, we misread that sometimes because we live in a culture that, you know, we, you know, we're afraid to become adults and we see jokes on Facebook, you know, adulting who needs it and, you know, (laughs) don't grow up. It's a trap, right? So that's our part of our kind of worldview baggage that we have. But what I'm trying to say, I guess, is, um, you know, you read the scripture based on your cultural baggage that you bring. I, I remember one time I, uh, when I was doing the Red Herring, I, I led a Bible study and a bunch of street kids came in and I had chosen the uh, prodigal son, um, the story of the prodigal son going back to the father. And you know, I'm all pleased with myself. I think it's a great opportunity, you know? And I remember this one street kid just, just was like disdain, you know, it was like um, just the father's an asshole. You know, and I'm like, how did you get that? You know, like, how do you get the father as an asshole in the prodigal son story? He's receiving the son back. His experience, he was importing it into the scripture. So really? we, we all do that. We yeah. we can't see certain things because of our mindset, our experience, our worldview, and our, and our background. I think it's super interesting what you're saying about the mindset, like coming to the Bible with that legalistic mindset. I almost feel like just saying, look, if you're going to pick up the Bible to like, to uh, beat yourself up with it or others up with it. Don't even bother, like put it down, take a break, come back later, cool down. Um, it seems like the, the, the religious leaders in Jesus's day did that very thing. Like they used the law to basically really oppress people. Um, you know, Jesus said that you, you make disciples. He said this to the Pharisees, you make disciples and then you make them two times the son of hell right. that you are because you lay, you lay so much rule and legalism upon them. Uh, and then he, he also said another time where you search the scriptures because you think that, that they contain the eternal life. Right. right. But then he says, they speak of me. They're pointing to me. They, this experience you're having right now, but you can't even see it and you won't even come to me because you're approaching the Bible wrong. You, you, you're, you're approaching it from a, from a place that's actually blinding you from seeing the thing it's talking about. Historically, one of the things that Jesus was doing was raising the understanding and awareness. He was directly confronting that legalistic, um, um, judgmental mm-hmm. kind of religion-based mindset. And I, I think people 
believe that we've kind of gotten rid of that in our culture, mm-hmm. but I see it everywhere. I see that control mindset. You know, one of the cues, if you, you hear someone saying, you know, something's fair, you know, there's a big emphasis on, on fairness, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes and I, it's yeah. kind of a joke I have with my wife sometimes. <laughs> um, and she'll say, she'll bring up the issue of fairness. And I, and like when you bring up the issue of fairness, what you're really saying is, um, that there's a standard, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you apply a standard, that I might not measure up to that standard. And mm-hmm. and so, and what is God essentially inviting is into a relationship, um, but rejecting our standards. Our standards are not enough. So we have to come to God based on uh, on, on what Jesus has accomplished. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, it it it's a way of... of uh, freeing us from that perfectionism of that need for fairness and sameness and mm. you know the, the world is, is is imperfect and full of all kinds of people in different stages to be effective you have to be able to um, invite people forward based on I, th- I would say grace which means as long as you're going in the right direction and as long as you're seeking mm-hmm. um, then you don't have to be perfect God God invites you to keep moving forward yeah, that's really great. Just picking to, picking up on Jesus saying, um, you know, the Pharisees they were they really knew the Bible, but they were they still missed the point, right? They missed the plot, which is incredible. So, like we've coded from the Bible, and we're not throwing it out, but I think we're trying to discover maybe a different way to to look, to, to approach it. I like your like grace approach as opposed to legalism approach. We've talked about things like the horizontal approach, like trying to apply it to the here and now, as opposed to as opposed to maybe things in heaven or spiritual things or things we don't see or, or, or experience. Are, are there other, are there other ways that we're approaching it these days that might be a little different than the way we used to? Well, to, to use another metaphor, I mean, I, I worked with computers a lot in my life. I teach computers and, and, and in a computer you have, um, you know, you have an operating system and I, and I think um, your worldview is kind of like your operating system. And, um, what the Bible does is it's kind of like an image that you get. So when sometimes when you install a new operating system, you get a new image and you use that image, it points to you and it downloads the instructions to upgrade and update the operating system. And I, I think essentially that's what faith does. Faith helps you find the, the pointer and, mm-hmm. and, and you, the image comes from Jesus and it's encoded in, in the Bible and scripture but to make it come to life, you have to add faith. You have to seek, and um, and I think you download it a little bit at a time as mm-hmm. as you age, as you mature, mm-hmm. and as you seek and grow and, and practice the little bit you understand. You essentially upgrade and update your operating system, and and I think that um, you know to use a fancy word, sanctification is a process of change that happens through faith. It happens over your lifetime, and it happens through taking the instructions that the Bible gives us and using that to connect with God and to download the instruction set that uh, brings, brings the life. I like that. So little by little, a little bit download, sort of bit by bit. It's, it's partial, it's progressive, relax. Don't, don't try to use the Bible to, you know, put pressure on yourself or other people. It, it's not alone. You have to mix it with faith. Um, I think also God's working in the world, you know, in other ways. And just like I saw something in the matrix, uh, I see things in the Bible, I, but I, I do admit, I see more things in the Bible than any other piece or source of literature or any other source of media that I've ever experienced. Maybe the matrix matrix is a close second. 
I, I mean, I think everything speaks about God. Yeah. The Bible, it's a history of how God has spoken, and it, and it can be used to um, for you also to learn and to hear God. And I think that um, it, it does take, uh, there is an entrance fee in that there is some learning that has to happen, and, and it is helpful to get background help from other people and, you know, pick up books and so forth. But there's much in the New Testament in particular that I would say start with the gospel, start yeah. with the gospel of Mark yeah. or, or Luke and, and just read it and ask God for insight. And I, I, I know I believe in asking God questions and waiting for an answer. And, I, and the answer doesn't usually come immediately, but if you read it and you ask God, what does this mean or how does this relate to me? I think over time you will find that, that there's a way that you can download some of those instructions into your own life. So I made a decision, Mark, and I made it just probably a few weeks before we started this podcast. And I think this podcast is really helping me a lot. I made a decision that I do want to hold on to my faith. And I know that means coming to, uh, to reconcile myself with the Bible and um, that that's not something I want to throw away, but I, I am hungry to learn to use it and read it differently than I used to. And um and I'm and I'm thinking that that this is really helpful to me, and I, I hope it's really helpful to others who are listening to to us. I wanna I wanna be in a future where where um, I, I see God, and I also can get insight from the oracle and the, the oracles of the Bible that are telling me the thing that I need to hear. That's all, nothing more. I mean, those are those are worthy goals, and I and I, I think that um, the Bible does speak and or helps you to hear, and so I, I think I'm on that same path. And I would invite our, our listeners, whoever they may be, um, if you have questions that you've asked of God or you have heard something that um, something fresh in Scripture that you have you know that you'd like to share or have questions about, we would love to hear from you. That's it for another episode. See you next time. Thank you.